Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. Uh, like I say every episode, it's been a hot minute. My name is Vince. I am your host with my co-host, Christian. Christian, how are you today, sir? Uh, I'm doing peachy keen. How are you? I am super duper. It's good to be back on this show. It's been, uh, we're in September now. The last episode we did was in December of 2021. Wow, it's almost a year. (laughs) (laughs) I think the people think we might have got the Rona. I don't know, but we've been gone for a while. Yeah. So that's, that's okay, though. We're back at it um again that's i'm beating a dead horse we say this every episode but we really are going to get consistent we have a plan we'll talk more about that later uh but right now we're just going to kind of give you all an update on uh what we've been doing the last episode that we recorded was in december of last year and we talked about some tips for getting started in real estate uh for 2022 we covered fha loans conventional loans va loans house hacking uh some goals you and i both had for this year that um really excited to talk about later that we have accomplished let's just get into it christian if you'll start just give an, give us an update of uh, what you've been doing the last nine months yeah um so i've been uh, a little bit occupied um i believe the last time we talked about any assets that i had uh it was on the commercial side just the um the, the two facilities i had uh, in East Texas. And so I had been busy stabilizing those, making sure those are running extremely efficiently, um, adding different revenue streams, um, tenant protection plans, uh, fees, just different things to increase uh, income uh, on that side. And then, let's see, purchased another... Uh, I think about 60,000 square feet of, uh, a mix. It was like a, it was like a small portfolio. Uh, majority of it was self-storage. Um, can get into the details of that as well. Um, yeah, do it. Okay. So let's see, uh, about 60,000 square feet of commercial, uh, property. There are, there's like one main um, self, like main self storage site. And then there's three other small ones. The portfolio consisted of, uh, two empty commercial lots, um, uh, some flex space offices and, uh, a gas station car wash and a mechanic shop. So I bought that for a million 20. Uh, I had a single family rental that I sold and I think it was, it closed in November or December of last year. And I used those proceeds and did a 1031 exchange, uh, into this new deal. I had already had it under contract. So I already identified the deal before, you know, placing this 1031. Can you tell um, us how you found the deal? Uh, it was just through direct mail that I had, um, a direct mail campaign that I did about two years ago. Um, So I had just been working with that seller for about a year and a half before actually talking about um, selling it. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Can I I interject real quick? 
Sure. That's kind of the same thing you did with your first property, right? You talked to that seller yeah. for about six months. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't that long, but yeah, I mean, uh, all the best deals, I mean, these deals have produced triple digit returns. Um, and you, you can't do that unless you spend the, like mm -hmm. spend the time to, to do this kind of thing with the seller, make it about yeah, them. Yeah. And it's developing those relationships. I remember, so I, I listened to our latest episode today to get ready for this one. And one of the things I talked about was that lady that bought uh, two or three houses from in Haltom city. And uh, much like you, you know, I, I, I wanted to help her with her needs more than just trying to get the deal. And that's what ended up making me, you know, six figures uh, off of just, I don't mean off of her, but off of those transactions, because I, was intentional about building the relationship with her rather than just trying to knock out a deal and go to the next one. Yep. And that's uh, the key. how much did you pay for those direct mail campaigns? Um, I spent about $200 on the, I only sent one out. So I spent 200 bucks. That's high dollar. Yeah. If I remember, we'll come back to that, but uh, keep going on the update. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. So 1031 exchanged, um, my, my rental property that I, I bought with a VA loan. So zero down, just closing cost. Uh, that's the same house that I house hacked, rented out a room, uh, had a, had a buddy help me pay for half my mortgage and then fully rented out after the f first year. Um, so I netted, uh, just under a hundred thousand on that one. And I moved that over to this, this deal here. And then I got the seller to carry, uh, because the bank's going to give you 80%, right? So you need 20 instead of raising money. I just got the seller to carry 10%. So and I by just, carry, by they, carry they, 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 they basically had a second lien or, a, a, another loan to cover that 10% that I needed. Yeah. So they um, were your down payment essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but they're the, they're the mortgagees. So I pretty much pay the bank and then I pay the uh, old seller or the, yeah, the old previous owner, uh, that 10% and we, we created or established our terms. So I, I pay, I think 5%. Um, and then, uh, so we got the, we got the deal done. Um, I just, so it was just that, that, uh, hundred grand from, from my rental property. Uh, and then, so I, the purchase price was a million 20 and it appraised for 1.67. Uh, million as is um so you and, had instant six hundred fifty thousand dollars equity yeah as soon as i signed on the dotted line it's pretty much yeah six hundred seventy thousand dollars yeah good stuff i mean um i mean just and and the thing is like these are these deals that i usually pick up are uh just very heavy value add deals where you're putting in sweat equity to get this uh amount of equity in it so like like I bought it at 50% equity. Uh, everything was on um, Excel. Everything was a mess. Like nothing. I've been, I had, I've flown down there multiple times. You bought it at 50% occupancy? Is that what you meant to mm -hmm. say? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, pretty rough. Not a lot of people take on that. So. Yeah. You have to have confidence in yourself. Um, and really just, you know, you're, you're just gambling on yourself. I mean, I wasn't, you know, even still today, I'm still like, just, all right, we're still moving along on the, on the occupancy going up. Um, but, uh, 
you really have to be confident in your ability to 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 be patient for one because it takes time to get occupancy up you know uh average probably about three percent or so a month and then um just doing the things that need to be done to to justify um you know people come in to move into your facility i added uh, an automatic gate with a with keypad so everyone has their own personal gate code um i got my software implemented um let's see i got i got there's i got, I got some new fencing where new fencing needed to be replaced uh painted got a new uh, big sign out in front uh cameras and and um security lighting um just a better operation overall auto pay all that good stuff being able mm-hmm. to pay on the website and what'd you spend on that roughly the improvements i don't know so far it's at like forty thousand, i think um so but that forty thousand is the only money you put into it right well no i mean i mean the hundred i mean, 100 I mean minus from, the hundred i mean that that you did a 1031 which for those who uh maybe might be new here 1031 is just a uh irs tax thing where you uh can move money from one property to another tax-free when you sell it it has a like kind yeah it's a like kind exchange and it basically defers the taxes so you will eventually pay it back but you're just kicking the can down the road essentially um unless you die and you can do a step down basis but um um I mean, I still count the hundred grand because that money still, it, it's still from my, you know, still part of the investment. So, you know, a hundred plus the forty. Uh, but that hundred was equity that you you gained from the property in Forney, uh, appreciating over time. But you bought that on a VA loan, which on the last episode, I think you said you only put fourteen hundred down on that. So technically, yeah, just being technical, you're at forty one four. But you've created what's that property worth now? You think? Uh, I mean, since I've gotten the occupancy up a bit, a bit more, and you know all the curb appeal stuff, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'd say maybe closer to one point eight. Um, once it's stabilized and I'm grossing, it, it should be grossing on a performa, uh, a year three, maybe twenty seven and twenty eight thousand per month. In which case, it'd probably be four, four to five. Uh, 4.5 or so to 5 uh, million stabilized somewhere around there i don't know just roughly just roughly that's guessing. not too shabby so you um so you've got a hundred thousand of your own money into the deal you bought so you're uh you got about a note of what eight something by yeah. year, by year three you might be in the upper sevens let's just say 800 so in that one property alone if it's worth 4.5 you'll have 3.7 million in equity that right yeah somewhere somewhere around there it's baller um yeah i mean it's pretty cool uh and uh, that's just on the self-storage piece i haven't really thought about the other things that came along in the portfolio i'm still debating what to do with those but right now my focus has just been on getting the storage up and running even with it at a what occupancy are you now obviously above 50 uh probably like 59%, 60%, 59%, 60%, somewhere in there. At 60%, are you still, are you netting or are you kind of breaking even? Yeah, I'm still netting. Uh, uh, my my uh, goal has always been to, if you buy an asset and you can break even at 50% occupancy, uh, then you're, you're, it's a pretty good, a pretty good asset. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, 
that's kind of uh, my philosophy or or buying it buying it below replacement cost yeah which you bought uh your athens property you bought it at how much per square foot it was like twenty dollars Jeez louise buildings buildings alone not including asphalt concrete dirt work all that stuff are 14 to 16 dollars a square foot so you're literally buying a whole facility for what it would cost just for the steel that's incredible i bought my first facility at 33 dollars a square foot which is about replacement costs Uh, my second one i paid a little bit more because it had land to expand uh, which as i'm talking we haven't even done my update yet we'll get to that in a minute Keep going. Sorry, I get off track. Uh, no, yeah. It, um, so I, I don't know. Just been just been a little bit, little bit occupied. Um, getting that one up and running, and at the same time, I was able to refinance um, my my East Texas properties. Uh, so I just closed that like last month or something. And what did those appraise for? Uh, so just a quick recap about those for seven seventy five or around twenty twenty dollars square foot. Um, that's the the zero down. Uh, property I, I had paid closing costs at the, at the title company of like it was like three thousand dollars and i put maybe about twenty five thousand into it uh, initially to get it get the occupancy up um and then it appraised for 2.6 million cheese and crackers <laughs> <laughs> so you you skimmed it you bought this property for 775 this was a deal that you found through that direct mail campaign that you spent two hundred dollars on uh, the seller, uh, owner financed it, meaning he's the bank. Uh, well, it used to be the bank. Um, you had in your mind that you were going to pay eight something, but you made him go first and he said seven seventy five, and you said, okay. Yeah. I always allow them to tell me a number or try to get them to tell me a number first because I had a number in mind. It was going to be like a hundred thousand dollars more than what he gave. And so I let him give me the first number <laughs> and I said, okay, sure. That's fine with me. Not gonna fight about that. Man, so, I would have been like, oh no, can we do seven fifty? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if I came I came I, if it was lower than my initial offer, I know. There's no yeah. I'm just picking. And that one you got at six percent interest, which back in the day that was a little high. Now that's like a killer rate because interest rates are astronomical right now. Yeah, uh, I mean I mean uh yeah, it was at the time the rates were maybe four and a half or four percent. Um, I, I, I didn't low fours. Yeah, I didn't have a problem. I don't really ever have problems paying higher interest if I'm getting zero down. Yeah, for um, sure. It's just an it's just an opportunity cost exchange. I mean, between a long paying something over time versus all up front. So, uh, and it was 25 year amortization, so that was cool with me. From um, the seller. Yeah, and initially nice. we had an agreement that uh, I wasn't going to pay them off. For a few years but uh i reached out to him and i asked him if he'd be willing to get paid off and i and he said okay and so um i started looking around for different uh small banks and and stuff to refinance uh i got told no by like three banks um still kept at it and then finally found a mortgage broker to help me uh, a commercial mortgage broker to help me find something and they secured me uh, a 10 year fixed rate at like 5.4%, uh, 25 year AM. That's really good. What a lot of people don't know, um, a lot of banks, because of the current financial climate, are only doing three 
at most five year fixed rate, uh, meaning they won't change your rate for three to five years. This is on so, commercial properties. Right. So 10 year is that's like beautiful. What I like real quick there is that you most people, I'm not saying everybody, but most people after three no's are like, oh, man, I guess I just can't do it because I got three no's. But what I like about you, man, you just keep going. And you, I mean, you're like me too. I don't take no for an answer. I'll keep going until I get my yes. You know, nothing, nothing is impossible. And a no is just a little speed bump on the road to my next yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. And a 25 year am dude, no one does that. Texas bank did it for me after my second loan, but they didn't do it my first. And even Vista bank on my other property, um, that we'll talk about in a minute. I didn't get a 25 year with them. I only got a 20. So, yeah, most of the time bankers will do um, because they they look at a commercial asset and they give it a, a life value of 20 years. So sometimes 25 years can be pushing it depending on the bank. There's banks out there that are that are that will do 25. So 30 year, yeah, probably forget about that one. But yeah, tw- I wish on commercial 25 In the dream yeah. world. Yeah, that's great. So for those who are maybe not quick at math. Your second property you just bought is worth $1.8 million. The new one is worth $2.6 million. You bought the first one for, let's just call it one. So you got 800000 equity there. You bought the other one for seven seventy-five. dollars It's worth two point six. That's $1.8. So you're worth $2.6 million-ish, maybe more because you're a personal property? Uh, yeah, somewhere around two, uh, $2.85. Um, nice. I, I, it, it changes. It, it, it's a uh, net worth is uh, fluid. So like, Different things cause it to go up and down, but yeah, but yeah, somewhere on there. And you aren't even thirty yet. You turn thirty October. Yeah, I'm twenty nine. Dude, that's amazing. Cool. Well, anything else? I know last episode I joked about how you uh, you wore the same clothes and you didn't have a sports car. Is that <laughs> is that a black shirt you're wearing? Uh, it's actually blue. I don't oh, wear wow. black shirts all the time. <laughs> funny that you said that the last episode but most of the time i see you it's a black shirt uh Uh, i have by the way i have multiple black shirts not just one okay steve jobs um (laughs) what uh on the fun side what is something that you just recently uh acquired that was on your wish list wish list yeah so i'm i'm a huge car enthusiast um i've been that way since i was very little um and uh I picked up, I, I was, I was on the fence of what to get, but I, I found a, a deal on something that was a little more rare than the other cars on my list. So I got me a, uh, 95 Skyline GTR R33. And it is a beast. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's got all the, it's fully built, got all the goodies and stuff. So I love nice. it. Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah. Cool. Well, man. I, uh, you know, as your friend of, I don't even know how many years now, three or four years, I'm proud of you, dude. You're doing, you're doing awesome things. And, uh, it's just so cool to see. I joked about it on the last episode, how, you know, when, when you and I started together, you know, we did our first flip and made like maybe six grand each. Like, five, yeah. Five, five point. Yeah. Five thousand. No. Yeah. Five thousand dollars. Oh, was and, it? Like yeah. some change. Yeah. And like yeah. 800, five point. Yeah. Yeah. We were 5,800. That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) We were just thankful to get out of there alive. That deal was, we tried to do lipstick and it it showed that was a, it was a good learning. It was the first time one. Well, at least for me, it was the first time one. Yeah. 
yeah, I do cool. remember I do remember being there at night trying to make it look a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, I'll never forget that property. But that's so cool. Like that's where it all started, man. You know, like yeah, you had your rental in Forney, uh, and then we just started flipping. And then uh you got ahead of the game ahead of me and got into commercial and now look at you. You know? Yeah. It's awesome. I mean I, I tell people uh you know, commercial is definitely a way to fast track uh like on the wealth side to, to build that up because there's just, it's a different game when you're dealing with, you know, being able to add value to a property or, or, or run it better than the last guy. Uh, Cause that really does, you know, three, four five X the, the value of the property versus yeah. like comps or whatever. But it is, it is a little bit harder to get in. I know a lot of people are like, I mean, I used to look at a million dollar commercial property and be like, man, that seems like it's an impossible thing to get in. Cause I don't have, million dollar down payment money um but you know the, that's why i really love like creative financing because you can figure out how to how to own it without you know i'm not saying zero down is going to be a normal thing um yeah but i mean definitely you can still get in with them playing the bank and maybe they'll if you give them a higher interest rate as long as it makes sense on the cash flow side uh, they may give you like 5% down or, or 10%. Um, just, it's just about asking. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. um, asking is, is the biggest thing. So when I do my offers, uh, I always include uh, seller financing as an offer. And I'll typically, as long as it makes sense on my criteria, I'll give them their full asking price um, if they are willing to sell their finance. Yep. That's great. And it doesn't hurt to ask. Worst they can say is no. And then you say, okay, well, let me figure out, you know, X, Y, Z. So that's great. And it's, uh, again, it's all about just not accepting no. If they do say no on the seller financing, okay, then you just got to figure out the financing part or the down payment. And the last episode, we talked about other people's money, which we talk about all the time. Um, I'm not going to go into that because that's not what this episode is about. But uh, there's a book by Brandon Turner called The Book on Investing in Real Estate with No or Low Money Down. Check that out. Uh, it's a phenomenal book and it will give you everything that I could tell you about, uh, other people's money. So, uh, yeah, for me, so the, our last episode again was December last year. Uh, at the time I only had that one property in East Texas, uh, in Henderson, the property that I bought for 330, 330,000, 10,000 square feet. So I bought it at $33 a square foot. It was terribly managed, uh, needed lights, cameras, signage, website, it had a property management company in the in the town who was managing it that was just doing a terrible job, taking cash, letting people be way, way behind. So I took over. Uh, I let them stay a month, probably a month too long, uh, which you told me, but I, I wanted them to help me transition, uh, which was pointless. But you live and learn. <laughs> so I fired them and uh, I took over completely, got everything on, um, uh, got everyone on, you know, paying online, stopped taking cash. Just a couple months ago, I stopped taking checks and money orders, so everybody has to pay online now. I made a kind of a rookie mistake, I think, um, where I only raised rents five dollars when I first took over. So even though I bought it for three thirty, I raised rents five bucks, and uh, you know it bumped the value up to like five something. But then I did a full increase to market rates um, in March, I think it was March or April, and uh, I'm actually selling that property now. It should close in about I think a week. I'm selling it for eight twenty five. So uh, earlier, a couple months ago, before I decided to sell it, uh, I did a cash out refi at a year, which is pretty pretty impossible to do. 
Uh, I thought it was easy because I heard all these gurus talk about it, but it's really hard. But I finally got a bank to say yes. And so I did a cash out refi. They only gave me 50% of the appraised value. It actually appraised really low. So I only got out only. I was able to get out 170 grand. Um, and I'm actually now selling it for 825 and it appraised for 825, which is great. Uh, the reason I'm selling it, another update from me is we're actually moving to Tennessee, probably beginning of next month. The short version is we're just, uh, I don't mean this in like a bad way, but our time is up here in Texas and we're moving to Tennessee to be in the mountains and uh, kind of have a slower pace of life, have land. My daughter is obsessed with horses. I've wanted a horse since I was a kid. So we're going to find some land that'll afford us, you know, kind of the life that we're looking for now. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I bought that again, I bought that property for 330 last year. I'm now selling it for a gain of you know, what is that, 490000 in uh, 15 months? In February of this year, I bought another property in West Tawakini, which is a town that I've never heard of until I bought this property. It's about an hour northeast of Dallas. And I uh, bought it for probably about $50, $57 a square foot, which was a little expensive. But again, it had land to expand on. And I was going back and forth between actually selling both of them and just selling everything in Texas and buying something in Tennessee. But after running the numbers, doing the math, um, it just makes more sense for me to keep it since I already have it and expand. So we'll be adding 11,500 square feet uh, there, which, uh, so I bought that property for 540. It's, um, I think, uh, 8,200 net rentable square feet of storage. And then there's an apartment uh, on site that's connected to the office that the tenants there actually are kind of my 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 part-time help there so they do all the overlocking and the, the mowing and blah 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 um, which when we expand there will be no mowing to do because there's not going to be any more grass um, yeah so I, when I bought that property I did new signage um, got everyone online stopped taking cash check money order all those things uh, started um, tenant tenant insurance tenant protection and then we uh, installed cameras. I think I might have just said that. So we did all the typical things you kind of do. The only thing I really have left to do is a new gate. Now, the gate works, but not everyone has their own access, like Christian said that uh, his property does. So yeah, I bought that one for $540. Um, it actually agreed to $575. Then it only appraised for $540. And I told the seller, I can't bring anything to closing because I was using everything that I had to buy this property. Um, now that one, I got creative and I borrowed. So my bank needed a hundred and I think 110 on the down payment. I only had like 60-ish that I could actually use. This was before I did the refi on Henderson. So I borrowed 50 grand from a friend of mine. Uh, I pay him I think uh, 10 or 10 or 11 percent per month. So I pay him like 500 bucks a month, which reminds me I need to pay him today. <laughs> and uh, we'll be expanding that one. And based on my calculations, it should be worth around 2. Point to 2.3 million and my overall loan will be about 891 maybe 900 so i'll have created about 1.3 million 1.4 million in value there yeah i think that's that's about it i um i'm also a car guy i've gone through 700 billion rx7s this year hmm. finally landed on my montego blue rx7 that i've wanted since i was 16. now last episode we talked about uh i had a goal uh, a couple years ago, maybe, uh, to be a millionaire by the time I was 35. And then as I got older and progressed, you know, I realized there's a difference between being a millionaire and being a net worth millionaire. 
a millionaire, most people think is someone who earns a million dollars a year. Um, a net worth millionaire just means that you're the assets that you have are assets minus your liabilities. The difference there is your net worth. So I actually uh, achieved my goal of becoming a net worth millionaire this year. And like Christian said, it's very liquid, changes all the time, depending on, you know, different factors. You know, when I sell a property in Henderson, I might actually fall back under the not net worth millionaire. I'd have to look at the numbers, but I'm I'm at like 1.1 or something. But anyway, this is a goal of mine. And I, I turned 35 and I didn't hit it. And I was like, well, technically, I said by the time I turned 35, I'm still 35. <laughs> so I hit my goal. Uh, and I think my next goal is is kind of... This may be far-fetched, maybe crazy, or it may be on point, is to really double my net worth maybe every year, every five years. I haven't really figured it out. Um, all I know right now is my family and I are moving to Tennessee, and uh, I actually had a property under contract there, 17 acres on the highway, where I had lofty goals of building a 28,000-square-foot storage facility, or 22,000-square-foot climate-controlled storage facility, an RV park. And then I learned that there's a difference between commercial zoning and rural commercial. And unfortunately, I cannot do the kind of commercial that I want to do. So I had to bail on that one, which is the reason why I decided to keep the West Walkney location and just expand that one since I already own it. So I'll be in it for, you know, I'll have 20,000 square feet at $900,000, which uh, I can't do the math on that. But we'll be sitting good on there. I should be cash flowing, you know, maybe... Seven or eight thousand—that's uh, net uh, on that, and really, that's all my family really needs, you know, to survive. So, obviously, I have bigger goals to make more money, um, to do the things that we want to do, which we've talked about on other episodes. It's not just to get rich. Like, sure, that's great, but you know, we we support various organizations and charities, and um, the whole goal is really just to help people, and we've thankfully never let the mindset of oh, I don't have enough yet to, to donate X Y Z or whatever. But you know, you don't you can give your time or money even if you're only making forty thousand a year. It doesn't matter how much money you have, but as you do get more money, you're able to give more. Cool, very cool. Need to insert a applause at your uh, million dollar net worth statement. A background yeah, thanks, applause. Um, yeah, that's, that's clip there. Yeah. You know, that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, just, you know, when you put your mind to something, you can really do really, uh, you know, go and say what you want to do, um, and meet your goals. Uh, and one thing I want people to realize is you really have to be self-aware and understand who you are as a person, because, uh, you may be around some individuals that may be like, uh, extremely high work, uh, high net worth individuals, and or you may be, let's just say you're working for a, um, you're working in a sales office, and you've been there for five years, you know, doing pretty well, and then they hire a, a, a young guy who, who like doubles what you make, uh, in his first six months, uh, and then you start feeling a certain way about it. You have to take a step back, and be self-aware about who you are, and realize that you don't have to be like him. You don't have to do if your goal is to be comfortable. Um, and, you know, hit your, hit your targets or whatever, at whatever speed you want it to be, uh, that, that, that's okay. I mean, you, you're not, we're not meant to be like other, somebody else on this, on this earth. You know, there's people that are, 
you know, that I see around me that are very good at um, being social media people and content creator type people. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm just not like that. Uh, you know, I'll post some stuff here and there, but I'm just not, I'm just not like that. And I don't really care to be. So just keep that in mind, you know, as you're going, trying to meet your goals and stuff, try not to compare yourself to, to other people, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Um, I think is really, is, is really key, uh, as you're going through life and, and, and this journey. So just my two cents there. That's good. Comparison is the thief of joy. You know, we're, like you said, we, we were put on this earth to do, to do what we want to do or what we're uh, made to do. You know, I, I wasn't made to be you. I wasn't made to be Christian. You know, you were made to do what you're supposed to do. I was made to do what I'm supposed to do. Now, I think there is there is some fun and healthy competition. You know, I uh, I don't know if I've said this to you, so this will be publicly said for the first time. But, you know, I see what you're doing and, um, you know, you're worth close to three times what I'm worth. Um, but I I like that because it kind of gives me something to like work towards. Not that I'm trying to compete with you. But I'm trying to, you know, you're as you're going up, I'm like, well, dang, I got to go up. You know, like when you first got in commercial, I was like, crap, I got to get into commercial and not to like follow you and do what you're doing. But it, it gave me kind of that motivation I needed to like really get serious about what I was doing. You know, we talked all the time on our podcast about all these goals, but, you know, I'm not going to say I was probably doing what I should have been doing as far as like actually going to achieve them. But then when you got into commercial, I was like, oh, man, like I got to get serious. And yeah, so like, and I, could... uh, I was going to say that that's um, kind of the importance of, you know, keeping or being around people that kind of force you to level up. Um, that's yep. that's a reason for as you start your journey into real estate at some point, you're going to be like, I think I want to join a mastermind around individuals who are worth five, 10, 20 times what I am, who are doing bigger things. Uh, running an entire nonprofit charity based, uh, you know, organizations and, and different things like that. Um, because they force you to level up. I mean, they keep you accountable. A good mastermind will keep you accountable. Um, they will just encourage you to keep going past your, you know, uh, just where you are currently. So, and the, you know, the cliche quote we've all heard, you, you become like the five people that you surround yourself with or however it goes. You know, my my circle of friends, I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of friends. I would say the friends that I have are quality friends, which is what I would rather have anyway. But I try to surround myself with or be in close proximity with people who are either kind of on my same mindset level like you and a few other uh, friends that, that I have or people or I try to be friends with people who are making way more than me. You know, I want to be like you, you know, you, you talked about finding a mastermind the other day and uh, which again, it was like a kick for me. Like, Hey man, I, I should probably do that too. And it's not that like I'm lazy or maybe I am. And I'll just say it. I think part of me is lazy, uh, which is kind of funny because of, you know, what I just said I'm worth, not that that matters, but uh, I think if I were to work as hard as you, like I could be, you know, I could be way far ahead, but I, I have a balance. I've created the life that I've wanted. I wanted to create for a reason little bit slower pace less work to be with my family and and i'm trying to surround myself with people who are out there crushing it who are um you know doing big things uh because i want to do those big things and like you said when you're when you're around those people they really do they 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 should motivate you to do even better right they should 
they should lift you up and kind of bring you along with them. Not them them, themselves. They don't need to do anything for you. But being around them should make you want to, to, you know, compete in a nice way to, to kind of keep leveling up, like you said. And so, like... I look at you, another buddy whose name I won't say, uh, who's worth, I don't even know if he's worth it, this dude is crushing it, but he's also, like, just a down-to-earth dude, family man, like, you know, like, he's just your average Joe. If you looked at him, you would probably not know that he's worth a lot of money, uh, which is great, because he's just a humble dude, but he, even though he and I aren't that close anymore, like, I look at him, and I'm, I'm trying to level up like he is, you know, like, I think we can look at the people that we want to be like and kind of learn from them, you know, like Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, Sean Whalen, um, Sam Zell, you know, like I just finished his book for the second time. I think you're on like what your fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's uh, one of my favorite investors. It's important to surround yourself with, with people who are where you want to be and not surround yourself with people who are, kind of going to bring you down and i don't mean that and, like in a bad way and uh, to that point you know maybe sit down and take an inventory of who you spend your time with um because i guarantee you they are affecting you in some way they, you might not see it but they they everyone has an influence so being around someone that's uh maybe a negative influence on your life maybe stopping you from moving forward on something uh so just you know, take inventory who, who's, I'm not saying, you know, dump all your friends that you, your old friends or whatever, <laughs> but just be careful with how much time you spend with, with, um, someone who doesn't have a, a positive influence uh, on your life. Yeah. Or maybe dump them. I became very purposeful about who I allowed in my life and my family's life. If someone created negativity or had a lot of drama with them, man, I don't have time for that. So, you know, you have to make those hard decisions to kind of cut those people out. And if it's a family member, I wouldn't say cut your family out, but you've got to set boundaries. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud has a book on boundaries and um, there are times, and I've had to do this, we've had to do this in, in our marriage, had to set certain boundaries with certain family members, you know, in a healthy way. Again, like you said, it's just take an inventory of kind of what's what's around you, who, you, who you're surrounding yourself with, what you're listening to, uh, what you're watching. You made a comment the other day when we were texting how you're trying to consume about five hours of knowledge weekly and i think that's a great goal when we went to tennessee this last time i tried to listen to as many books as i could on the 26 hours of driving so i finished yeah. sam zell's book i think i started 50 cents book which i just finished the other day which hustle harder hustle smarter by 50 cent dude it's so good y'all need to check it out uh anyway so it's just you know just being mindful of those things of what you put in your mind and i think for me as i'm consuming all these books and these podcasts with the people i want to become like i don't think that i'm there yet but i think i'm on a path of being where these people are that, that i want to be anyway do you have anything more on that um yeah i'll add that um i think books have played a uh, instrumental role in uh, my journey so far and being able to achieve it rather quickly along with discipline and, and the type of person that I am. But, um, I mean, I have an MBA and I don't remember anything, anything about <laughs> it, to be honest. Um, the army paid for it or paid for more, most of it. So I just, that's why I went and got it. But the only thing I, I will say about the MBA is that it did introduce me to business. So, uh, it started kind of uh, sparking my curiosity about it, uh, with a lot of these case studies we did, we did a lot of case studies, um, in, in the, uh, 
in the degree. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh, self-education, I think is, is vital. Um, I've, I've probably in the last two years, I've, I've consumed about 50 different books and tons of different articles, uh, podcasts. If you look at my podcast on Apple, there's like 75 podcasts that I've finished just like throughout this past year or whatever the case is like just that self-education piece. If you really want to grow, you want to, you want to, you know, get farther quicker, read as much as you can listen to as much as you can. Even, even honestly, like even on Facebook, like I learn a lot actually on Facebook comments from other, uh, well, you know, and this is inside like real estate based group groups or business groups, not, not something that's a waste of time, but yeah, reading the aunt Sandy posted. Yeah, no, reading comments in these groups, when people ask genuine questions about things, and experts chime in, I love reading the comments in those in those uh, posts, because I learned so much. Um, so just stuff it's like free. That. Yeah, it's free. I mean, so uh, just just being, you know, um, intentional about about learning more. Uh, and you'll definitely kind of speed up your your journey. Yeah, that's good. That word intentional is, I think, really huge. Being intentional about your goals. You know, I, I had a goal to be a net worth millionaire by the time I thir- turned 35. Not, I have a goal to be a net worth millionaire. Okay, when? By when? What year? What age? What month? What are you going to do to get there? You know, it's writing down your goals. I write, I don't I do not do this like I should. Uh, I kind of just take inventory in my head, but I write my goals in my head. Uh, thankfully, the ones that are most important stick. Uh, probably little goals that I don't that I forget to write down that I maybe don't achieve. But if you can discipline yourself to write down your goals, there's something uh, psychologically that happens when you actually put pen to paper and actually write down your goals. That gives you, and you got to give yourself a deadline to achieve it by. You know, like if you just say, "I want to be a millionaire," like okay, but when? Like you have to give yourself a deadline. And we could go more into the mindset thing, or you can look at episode one and two where we talk really extensively about mindset it's all it's all mindset thing and my posted something yesterday and i i made a comment i was like bro literally your mindset just controls everything in life like if you want to be successful it's all about your mindset if you want to be a complete failure and if you think that's all you're going to be then that's all you're going to be i think this is good this is a good update um we christian and i have talked uh, this week as we prepared for this episode we really really want to be more consistent with this so we have some plans to to get that in place hopefully this can become a weekly show uh if at minimum if not then a bi-weekly show but we have um some people we've reached out to or at least i have uh christian i know has some people he's gonna reach out to who uh if they come on the show it's gonna be really good some really good content so we're excited to be consistent have some guests on you on here so y'all can hear other people's voice besides ours and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a great show. We're going to pick this thing up. And uh, I said this on the last one. This whole podcast is called Middle Class Millionaires. I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but I'm. this is an encouragement to those listening who want to be in the same position that we are. We had a goal to become millionaires, and we were just middle class dudes. I think when we started this podcast, I was making like, I don't know, maybe forty, fifty thousand 50000 a year. I think you were at your job in Grapevine making whatever you made under six figures. And now, like, you know, we're we're doing well. So and I don't again, I don't we uh, should we rename the podcast Just Millionaires? (laughs) (laughs) How about we change it to Millionaires to Billionaires or something? 
<laughs> you know, like I, I want to be honestly, I, I, I want to be the first billionaire in my family. You know, I, I don't know much about uh, my dad's side of the family. I think I'm the first millionaire in my family. So this is all brand new there. My family members don't even know that I've reached this. Uh, even though my wife posted something yesterday about our show. Thank you wife for that plug. And again, not to sound arrogant. I hope y'all, y'all hear me in that. This is just an encouragement. Like if you have goals and you want to be at a certain level, then set your mind to it, write it down, and follow the people who are at where you want to be. Like I said earlier, I follow Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, Sean Whalen, uh, a bunch of other people. I'm sure I'm forgetting mainly Ed Milet. I just I love that dude. I, I hope I hope you hear this, Ed, and we can have you on the show. I know that might be a stretch, but but like he's you know he's just kind of your average dude who is worth like half a billion, and you would probably never know if you didn't know who he was. So he's kind of who I'm running after. Hope you liked this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we got some guests coming up for you in the next couple of weeks, and we will see you on the next one. See y'all guys later. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.